You know, as I shared this morning, and I just think it's so true, aren't you just blessed by the amount of musical talent that we've been gifted with here at Chartel Church of God? Man, just so incredible. Thank you guys for leading us in worship this morning. Uh, throw that picture up on the screen for me, would you? This is a picture taken from last Wednesday night on our annual church meeting. How many of you were here Wednesday night for this? What an amazing time together. We baptized 15 individuals who had committed their lives to the Lord. Come on, big round of applause for that. That's what it's all about. I've never done a baptism at a business meeting before. I thought this was the first for me. And I told the congregation on Wednesday night, we baptized 19 people in April and 15 on Wednesday night. That's 34 people we baptized this year. I think that's the most I've ever baptized in a year at any church I've ever been a part of. And I just love that God is up to something and we're just so thankful for his move. But I told told the congregation Wednesday night, I said, you know, years ago I learned that there are two questions that you need to ask. One is, what business are we in? And the other is, how's business? And we are in the business of making disciples. Amen? That's, amen? There we go. Uh, I, I know you guys are white, but you, it's okay to respond, okay? <laughs> yeah, they, it, you know, when, when you think about what we're supposed to do as a church, Jesus said in Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always. In other words, Christ's presence is never more powerful with us than when we're about the business of making disciples. And that's the business that we are in. That's the reason. Think this thought with me. Let this just boggle your mind. The primary reason that the church exists is for those who are not yet a part of it. Let me say that again. The primary reason that the church exists is for those who are not yet a part of it. That's our business. I say, well, Steve, if the, if the church is about that business, then you know, how do I fit into that business? What's my role? I'm so glad you asked that. That's what we want to talk about today. We're in a series called Follow Me. We're looking at Jesus' encounters with the disciples and look at making the applications to our own role of discipleship. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can track along with me. We're going to look at John chapter 1. And you'll notice in John chapter 1, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Now read this next sentence out loud with me. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Read it again. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Our role in the body of Christ is to be the vehicle through which God connects to the world around us. And what you see from the very beginning is that it was God's design that we would be the ones reaching out on his behalf, drawing people into his kingdom. I'm asking the question this morning, 
So who are you inviting? There's a world of lost people all around us, amen? And we, for many people, will be the only Jesus that they see or come into contact with. And so what I wanna impress upon you today is God's desire that we be his vehicles to reach around and, and touch these individuals to draw them into this Jesus that we know and love. Now, I, I wanna unpack this for you and just make it, this is a, not, a, not a hard sermon in terms of it's, it's easy to comprehend, but I wanna, I wanna give you some very simple but very powerful uh, thoughts and implications of this that all of us need to hear. Are you ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. God's primary plan, primary plan for winning the world is through relationships. I'm gonna say that again. God's primary plan for winning the world is through relationships. Often when we hear the word evangelism, we think of crusades, uh, we think of revivals, uh, we think of events, we think of programs. Look at me. Evangelism is not a program. Evangelism is a personal responsibility. Jesus said in, in, in Acts chapter one and verse eight, before he left this earth, he said, you, you as a church, we, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, I've, I've spent my time on earth gathering people to me. Now you are the ones that help to help spread this fire to other people. It is through the relationships that we have. Now let me unpack that just a little further. We talk about what relationships? Well, from parent to child. From parent to child. You go back to Deuteronomy chapter six and you hear God speaking to the people saying, um, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says this, impress these things upon your children. In other words, God's design were that parents would come to Christ, follow the Lord, and as they had children, they would teach their children these things, that faith would be passed from generation to generation. Now, how many of you, your parents took you to church, read Bible stories to you, and at least made some effort along the way to pass that faith down? How many of you here did it? Okay, look, and, and, and what you need to know is that's the primary way God still does that. You know, we do a lot of wonderful things here at Chartel. We have a lot of wonderful programs. We, our kids are in, in, involved in all kinds of things, but you need to understand all of that is supplemental to the primary responsibility that we have as parents and grandparents to hand that faith off to our kids. You know, some of my earliest memories growing up uh, was sitting on my father's lap and him reading me Bible stories from the old Edgar Meyer Bible story book and, uh, and, and learning about these great people of faith from, from, from that. I can still remember back in the day, I was, I was really young. I have no idea how old, but I was really young. I was sitting on the front row at church on a Sunday night and uh, my, back when we had those old hard wooden pews, you remember when we used to torture people for coming to church, you remember that? And, uh, and sitting on the front row, and I can remember our pastor, um, you know, in the middle of a message saying, I wanna, we had a bunch of us little kids sitting up front, and he said, I wanna challenge our kids, and he, he would tell the story, and he said, anybody know who this character is? And man, I'm, I'm shooting my hand up, one, because I was a show-off, you can't imagine that, can you? And, but the other is because I knew the answers to every question that he was asking about who, who 
who are the people? Why? Because they read me the stories of the word. Long before I ever really understood the story of salvation, they had planted seeds in my heart through that. And that's our job as parents and grandparents. And, and if you're not doing that, just want to encourage you, it's never too late to start sharing those stories and, and sharing that faith because that's the number one way it's handed down. Secondly, from relative to relative. From relative to relative. That reference I put there in John 2.41 is wrong. It's actually John 1.41. It's from the, what the story I just read for you this morning. It says that Andrew went to find his brother. And sometimes when we think about making the connection for Christ, sometimes it's, it's a sibling that we reach out to, or it's an aunt, or an uncle, or it's a friend. When I, when I went to uh, Pennsylvania, to this little church, uh, 40 people meeting in a Sheraton Hotel uh, years ago, uh, there was a woman in our church who the very first Sunday that I was their pastor invited her nephew uh, and his wife uh, to come to church with them. And they came and they enjoyed it and they stayed and ha had the privilege of leading them to the Lord. And then along the way, as they got settled in, the, the wife invited her uh, mother to come to church and she came. And there's uh, a woman that hadn't been in church in over 40 years, came to church. I had the privilege of leading her to the Lord. And then she invited her uh, son to come to church. I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord. And then she invited their daughter, and I had the privilege of leading her to the Lord. All of these connections started when an aunt invited a nephew and his wife. Are you getting this? Same thing happened later on in, in Pennsylvania when, uh, we, when we were moving out of the Sheraton and into a church building. Uh, we had a, a family, we did a little 200 uh, place kind of marketing thing right before Easter when we were gonna open up and just knocked on the door and just invited people to come on Easter Sunday. One family, their, their backyard literally bordered our church property and we invited them to come on Easter. They came, and Jim and Diana and it was so cool. And they, they came and then got, had the privilege of leading uh, Diana to the Lord. Then had the privilege of leading their teenage son, Tony, to the Lord. Then had the privilege a year later of leading the father, Jim, to the Lord. Diane invited her sister Lisa, and Lisa came with her family, had the privilege of leading them to the Lord. Then Lisa invited her other sister, and their family came. Then they invited their mother, and their mother came. All of these families and connections, just get this. This is the way God desires to work. Does this make sense to you? It's parent, to, it's parent to child, it's relative to relative. And then there's one more. It's friend to friend. It's friend to friend. And you see this evident all through the Gospels. And you see it in the book of Acts. As people who come to Christ and experience this wonderful thing that God has done for them, they, they step out and they reach out and they invite a neighbor or they invite someone that they know. And that person also comes to the Lord. You know, when I, I came to Chartel, this, this was the very first church I, I served at as a youth pastor back in 1981. And when I came here, the, this church was actually downtown, right next to St. Anthony's Hospital. And uh, I, I was still playing a good bit of basketball, and I'd been here probably about a year, and uh, Steve Cottom, uh, who's still a member here at Chartel, uh, he was in sixth grade when I came, but during that next year, that seventh grade year, uh, came to me, he and two of my nephews and another friend, and they said, we'd like to have a boys' basketball team. 
And I said, that's great. I love basketball. Here's what I need. I need eight guys who are committed to practicing every Saturday. Uh, and they have to come to church either Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. Um, I'll pick them up in the van, but we gotta, you know, we gotta, we gotta, we've gotta, they've gotta come to one of those services. And they said, well, there's only four of us. I said, that's your problem. Uh, you, want the, you want a team? Invite your friends. And so they did. They, they started inviting their neighborhood friends and the kids they went to school with. And uh, the, we, soon we had a boys basketball team and these kids were coming on Wednesday night. They were coming on Sunday night. And along the way, we had the privilege of, of exposing them to the gospel and leading many of them to the Lord. Uh, during those years, I, I had the youth for a few years and then I handed off to Dale Neese who kind of continued that basketball program. I, I, I'm gonna guess we, we had a few dozen kids that came through those years uh, all because it started with a group of boys who wanted to play basketball. A couple years ago, we had a, a reunion and had invited some of the guys who played on that basketball team and, and some of the other kids that were girls and gals that, uh, that were a part of the youth group during that to come back. Throw that picture up on the screen. And uh, that was the shot that we took. And you'll, you'll notice, again, I, I counted out of that group there Nine of those individuals in that picture people are, are now, you can tell how old they got through the years. <laughs> but nine of them are individuals who came to church, came to Christ. A couple of them end up serving in ministry. One of them, you'll notice the uh, African-American young man right there in the front row, the second from the left in the blue shirt, Bobby Washington. He serves in Denver, Colorado. He's actually one of the ones we sponsor through our missions program and an outreach there in Denver. But they all came. Look at me, because friends invited friends. Now, just think this thought with me. Many of these, not only a couple of them, like I said, served in ministry. Some of them are very active in leadership in their church. We have no idea how many lives those kids have all impacted through the years, all because somewhere along the way, a friend invited a friend. God's primary plan for winning the world is through relationships. Parent to child, relative to relative, friend to friend. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let me give you a second thought. A simple invitation, just a simple invitation can actually lead to incredible transformation. I started thinking about invitation and just the different ways that things that we can invite, ways that we can invite. And I wanna give, give you three. Um, one is simply an invitation to pray for them. A few months ago, in a message, I, I mentioned, I challenged you as a congregation to not just tell people you would pray for them, but to actually pray for them. And it was interesting. I had several people who came back to me later and just said, Pastor Steve, that was so powerful. Uh, instead of just telling people I'm going to pray for them, I've actually prayed with some people and, and how, how dynamic that moment really is. And it really is. You know, sometimes it, it's not uh, the invitation is just being with someone that you know, you know may not know the Lord, but you're, they're sharing something that they're going through. And just the opportunity to say, you know what, can I pray for you? Do you have any idea what that means to someone? I mean, all you have to do is put yourself in that situation and have someone pray with you and you know the, the, how, how that feels, how, how, how close you feel to God when, when someone's praying over you like that. I'll, I'll never forget, I was playing in a golf tournament uh, here in Oklahoma City and uh, I was playing with a group that I'm on a board with you know, here in the community. 
And one of the guys, I just happened to notice before the golf tournament kicked off, I was out there by the golf court getting my stuff together, and he was standing there, and he just looked really stressed. And I said, hey, man, what's, what's going on? And this guy just opened his heart and just began to talk to me about all the stuff that he was going through, and he was just overwhelmed. And, uh, and I said, dude, can I pray for you? And right here, right beside the golf cart, man, I just put my arm around him, leaned in, and we just prayed together about what he was walking through. And I asked God to give him strength and give him wisdom, give him discernment. Man, time I get done, he, he was bawling his eyes out, and you know, we, got, we hugged, and it was, just, it was just one of these really sacred moments. And I watched him, and I just kind of checked in with him a couple times. And it was after that pivotal moment that he decided, man, I'm doing way too much over here and not enough over there, and really reconnected with his church and with God. And it's just, it's just been a cool thing to watch, all because I just simply said, can I pray for you? Does this make sense? Yeah, and uh, the other invitation is just a simple invitation to church. Just a simple invitation to church. You know, sometimes we, 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 we think that people know they ought to come, but people don't always know. And sometimes people, people are open. In fact, last statistic I read, about 35% of people who are unsaved and unchurched, when asked the question, would you go to church if someone invited you, they said yes, 35%. That's one in three. Just through a simple invitation. And sometimes there are people that you don't even expect. <coughs> I had a, when I was in Phoenix, I'll never forget, I was out by the Welcome Center. We were doing three or four services in, I don't remember. But I was out at the Welcome Center, and uh, this guy came up, and his wife was kind of in front of him. And they walked up, and I just stuck my hand out. I said, hi, I'm Steve. And when, when, when the wife stuck her hand out, she just got this real kind of funny smile on her face. And she said, I just need you to know, I don't like church. I've never belonged to church. In fact, I don't even believe in church. And I'm going, well, okay. <laughs> and when she shook my hand, she started laughing. She said, but Frank invited me three weeks ago, and I've come the last three weeks. And she said, and you're roping me in. <laughs> this gal was a, a self-proclaimed agnostic, and her husband had started coming to our church, and he found that it was a, a church that was just more down to earth. And he, he told his wife, again, who didn't really believe in church, he goes, you know, I know you don't believe in this stuff, but I, I think you might really like this place. And so just kind of on a dare, she actually came and God got a hold of her heart. And I had the privilege of leading that woman to the Lord and baptizing her through, look, through a simple invitation just to come to church. A third invitation is just an invitation to meet Jesus. And, and I know that's really scary for a lot of us. When we talk, think about talking to somebody about their eternal destiny or, you know, or, or, or what God might be able to do, that kind of feels sometimes forward and it feels like we're being intrusive and sometimes that gets a little scary. But Jesus calls us in, math, in, in Acts chapter 1, 8, uh, after chapter 1, verse 8, he calls us to be witnesses, not scholars, not theologians. He just invites us to share with someone else what God has done for us. Look at me. We're surrounded by people who are going through the same stuff that we're going through. Have, have, you ever, have you ever been at a place where you're walking through something and you think to yourself, I don't know how people without God do this. Well, they don't do it very well. 
which is why we know what they're going through. And when we're hearing about what some of these people are going through, that's a wonderful opportunity for us to, to simply share with them, this is what God did for me. Maybe he could do the same for you. I love the story in John 4, the woman at the well. Jesus has this conversation and kind of opens her life up to her and and the woman goes back to, the, to her town and goes back into the village and it says, she goes, she says, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? It says, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Then later in the passage it says, then they said to the woman, now we believe. Not because of what you told us, but because we have heard for him, we have heard him ourselves. Now we know indeed that he is the Savior of the world. Invitation to simply meet Jesus. Let me give you a third thought, and this will hopefully set your heart at ease. Don't bang on the door. Look for the open windows. Don't bang on the door. Look for the open windows. Okay, look at me. Hear my heart. I'm not asking you to try to talk somebody into something that they don't want. I'm not asking you to debate with people about the reality of God or what Jesus can really do. I don't know of anyone who ever came to Jesus because they lost an argument. You know what I'm saying? And so that's not our, our job is not to bang on the door and, and get people to do something they don't want to do. It's, it's about being sensitive to these open windows of where people are. Some of us, I, I love one of my favorite cartoons of all time is this Peanuts cartoon. Throw that up. <coughs> Excuse me, it's Lucy on her way, uh, no, uh, Sally rather, on her way home saying to Linus, I would have made a good evangelist. She said, you know that kid who sits behind me at school? I convinced him that my religion is better than his religion. Well, how did you do that? I hit him with my lunchbox. <laughs> well, sometimes that's the approach some Christians take, you know, is I'm gonna whop him upside the head with Jesus. And I don't think that really works very well. But there are open windows. Now, on your outline, I wanted to just put some of these out there just so that you'll, you'll be aware. Um, one of the open windows is when people are going through crises, uh, did you notice in the Gospels how many times people came to Christ when they were sick? When people go through health crises, trust me, they want to believe in God. When people are going through crises of health, when they're going through a marriage crisis, when they're going through a, 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 a divorce, when they go through a job loss, um, when, when people go through uh, something with, you know, traumatic with their kids. You know, all, all, all of these things create open windows to when I promise you people are a lot more open to invitations and, and interest in God in those times. Times of loss, when someone loses a spouse or loses a close friend. In times of loss, man, is there anyone better to help draw our friends to in a time of loss than the comforter himself? You know, in times of loss. Times of life change. When people get married, when people have kids, uh, when people move into your neighborhood, when people are going through some kind of life change, what we know is that people are more open. I just want to, again, people are always moving up and down 
this scale of receptivity. You know, sometimes people don't want anything to do with what you're saying. They don't want to do anything to do with God. You know, and, and, and that's okay. You just let them go. But when, when they become more open, when things open those windows, those are the times we want to move. Times, sometimes it's just when they're interested. Uh, you're having a conversation and they start asking you questions about your church, about your faith. And, and you notice that maybe, maybe there's, there's something there. Or the last one, and this is just kind of an intuitive thing, but those God nudges. Have you ever just felt a nudge from God that you need to reach out to someone? That you just need to speak a word of encouragement? You need to check in on someone? Or that you need to say something to someone? It, it's so funny to me. Uh, and again, I know that I'm, I, I, I meet strangers fairly easily and, uh, and, and just can make relationships pretty quickly. But I can't, I can't tell you how many times in, on planes and in airports and in, in, in stores you can have conversation. I just feel this nudge from God just to say something. And God can open doors and windows there that you can't imagine. You know, don't, don't feel like you got to bang on the door. Look for the open windows. Let me give you one more. Do your part, but then uh, let others and God do theirs. Do your part, but then let others and God do theirs. Now, hear my heart. I believe with all my heart that every single one of us ought to pray and be open to God's Holy Spirit using us to reach out and touch people around us. Look at me. But it's not your responsibility to win anyone. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And sometimes your role isn't the harvesting part of actually drawing them into the kingdom or even getting them to church. Sometimes you're just the one planting the seed and setting things up for someone else that God is going to use to finish that work. I, I love how Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. He says, I planted the seed in your heart and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. There is an amazing story about a guy by the name of Bill Fry. He was a, an evangelist. Yeah. 22 years ago, um, Bill was in Washington, D.C. on a Sunday uh, preaching at a church. And uh, the next day on that Monday, um, he flew back to Denver and as he was flying uh, back to Denver, he uh, looked up and he saw this flight attendant with a, an ice pick trying to break up some ice in a bucket. And he said she was jabbing at it like Jack the Ripper, you know, just kind of, and he thought she's going to hurt herself. And so he came up and he said, would you like some help with that? You know, and he took the ice pick and he kind of busted up the ice for her. And they had this really nice conversation. She thanked him for that. And, uh, she kind of opened up a little bit and just said a couple of things about some stuff as they, as they talked that kind of led Bill to feel a little more comfortable with her. And being an evangelist, he just reached in his pocket and he handled her, handed her a gospel track. And he said, you know, maybe, maybe you'll find some answers in here. And she took the gospel track and she looked at it and she started laughing. And she looked at Bill and she said, you are the sixth person to give me a gospel track in the last month. She said, what does God want? 
And Bill said he smiled and said, your life. And that led to an open door for him to have this real intimate conversation with her about where her life had been and where it needed to go. And Bill had the privilege there on the plane of, uh, on the plane of leading this flight attendant to the Lord. Bill got off in Denver. That was September 10th, 2001. The next day on September 11th, 9-11, that flight attendant was on one of the planes that crashed into the buildings in Washington or in New York City. Bill had this amazing opportunity, but please don't miss this. But it wasn't Bill alone. There were five other people that God nudged to give a gospel tract to this woman, all helping prepare her heart for the moment when Bill would arrive on the scene. Never think that because people aren't immediately responsive to what you're saying or what you're inviting, that your work is in vain. Sometimes we plant, sometimes we water, sometimes we reap. Amen? You know, just a moment, we're going to receive communion together. And I want to invite you, if you would, right now, just go ahead and take out your communion cup. And you can open the bottom up and take your little wafer out. Open the top. And you can have your juice ready. Just a moment, Rachel's going to lead us in singing a it's a beautiful hymn. It says, Jesus paid it all. Aren't you glad that Jesus paid it all for you? Look at me. Can I get an affirmation? How many of you would be willing to admit your life has been dramatically changed by our Lord Jesus Christ? Can I get an amen? Do you know how many people are around you that are yet to experience that? You see these things we hold in our hand? This wafer represents a body that was broken for you. This juice represents blood that was spilt on your behalf. Not only so that your sins could be forgiven, but so that you could have a glorious future with our Lord. Jesus never intended for us to keep this stuff to ourselves. So today, as you receive these elements, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for what he's done for you. But also say, dear God, move through me. Look at me. Who are you inviting? Our Father, we hold in our hands today the evidence of your great love and grace. But it was a a love and grace, Lord, that you never intended for us to keep to ourselves. Father, you have changed us from the inside out. You have forgiven us our past. You walk with us every day. We don't know what we would do without you. But we're aware this morning, Father, that there is also a world all around us that doesn't know you, who walk alone, who struggle day to day, not knowing that you paid it all for them. So, Father, my prayer today is that you wouldn't let us be just reservoirs of your grace, but that we would become 
rivers of that grace. That you would flow through us in every relationship we have, through our life, through our words, through our invitation, drawing them in to the kingdom of God. Lord, I wonder how the world might have been different if Andrew had just kept it to himself and never invited Peter to come and meet you. Who would have stepped up? Who would have taken Peter's place? Oh, Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the privilege we have of partnering with you here on this earth and advancing the cause of your kingdom. May we be good ambassadors for you. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.